This is Running the Race with Pastor Eddie Pinero of Calvary Chapel of Milford in Milford, Pennsylvania. was hated by his brethren. Paul was stoned, left for dead, even put into prison by his fellow brethren. They hated him enough to kill him. Enough to kill him. Now, I don't know about you, but I personally would rather have my family disown me and hate me while going to heaven than love me and accept me and go to eternal damnation in hell. If anything you could remember about your family, I hope is that. There will come a time in your life as a Christian when you'll be persecuted because of your love for the Lord. Sadly, all throughout your walk with the Lord, you're going to face opposition and persecution, even from those within your own family. Today, Pastor Eddie will be challenging you to stand firm for the Lord, even when loved ones try to convince you to turn away from Him. It's better to have temporary suffering here on earth than to be eternally separated from God. Well, let's join Pastor Eddie in the book of Romans chapter 10 for today's edition of Running the Race. one, he says, brethren, my heart's desire and prayer to God for Israel is that they may be saved. Now, there's no doubt that Paul had a strong desire, a strong love for his fellow brethren, his fellow Israelites. In fact, his desire was so strong that if, if it were possible, if it were possible, only if it was possible, he was willing to forever be cursed, cut off from Christ so that they would be saved. We studied this in chapter 9, Romans chapter 9, verse 3. Paul says, For I could wish that I myself were a curse for Christ for my brethren, my countrymen, according to the flesh. The same thing was Moses. Moses said, Lord, please, you know, blot my name out of the book. I know the children of Israel, a bunch of stiff-necked people, but Lord, just take me instead. That's the heart. And this is the, the heart Paul has for his people. Now, in this first verse there, uh, we'll see some things here, but we see uh, Paul's passion, desire, and his prayer um, in all three of Paul's missionary journeys. If we study the book of Acts, we find that whenever Paul made it into a new city, where did he go first? He went to the synagogue over and over again. He lands his foot in Troas. He's going to a synagogue. He goes to Galatia. He goes to the synagogue first. Why to the Jews first? Because they've been waiting for a long time, thousands of years, for the promised Messiah. And he has found the Messiah on the road to Damascus. So everywhere he went, he went to the synagogue first. And he wanted to share it to his brethren, who he has a strong heart for, who he's been praying for. He wants to share, listen, Remember that Jesus of Nazareth that was crucified on the cross? He's the promised one. Wanted every opportunity to share that truth. 
And so it is truly Paul's heart, desire, and prayer that all of Israel come to know Christ, that Israel may be saved. Now, there are three things that we could find here applicable to us as believers today. First, when it, it goes without saying, it should be your heart. It should be our heart that all will come to know Jesus. That should be our heart. That should be our passion. Now, if you never really pondered on that, you never took time to think, you know, about those who are lost, who are about to go to, to eternal damnation, that should cause us to really think. And so we should have a passion, and that also includes Israel. Many people, and mostly in the West, I think all around the world, we forget that, hey, it should also be our desire, not only that the Gentiles be saved, but also the Jews. You don't get this misconception because they're God's people, that they're saved. No, Paul is proving the point that no, they need Jesus, just like everybody else. Secondly, we too, like Paul, need to have a heart's desire that our family be saved. I don't know about you, but it is my heart's desire that my family would be saved. I think about all my family members who don't know Jesus, that needs Jesus. Paul was hated by his brethren. Paul was stoned, left for dead. He'd been put into prison by his fellow brethren. They hated him enough to kill him, enough to kill him. Now, I don't know about you, but I personally would rather have my family disown me and hate me while going to heaven than love me and accept me to go to eternal damnation in hell. If anything you could remember about your family, I hope is that. We don't want to step on stones. We don't want to bring division and Jesus says, I bring a sword, not peace, but I bring a sword. People say, wait a minute, Jesus is violent? No, he meant the truth because the truth divides those who would accept Christ and those who reject Christ. And in that also, that sword is even within a family. Paul was rejected. Jews were rejected. We studied the church of Smyrna Wednesday night in our Revelation class. And many of the church of Smyrna were disowned. Business people would not even sell to them. They couldn't even buy or sell. And that's exactly what happens. And so I would rather have my family disown me, hate me, but me share them the, the love of Jesus Christ and salvation only through Christ as they go to heaven than to love me and accept me to go to hell. Thirdly, it should not only be our heart's desire, but it should also be in our prayers for Israel. When we gather here for our prayer meetings, we always pray for Israel. You look at our prayer, uh, prayer request uh, sheet in the back and things that we pray as a church. Now that we pray for other churches, all the churches in the area. We pray for all the leaders and their pastors. We pray for our community. We pray, pray for our government. We pray for our country, but we also pray for Israel. Why is that? Well, the scripture tells us to pray for Israel. It tells us to. In Psalms 122 verse 6, it says, pray for the peace of Jerusalem. Now, like the second half, many people forget this. May they prosper who love you. So there's another people that ought to be praying for Jerusalem. It's not Jerusalem. He said, may they prosper who love you, Jerusalem. And that is us, the believers in Jesus Christ, to pray for Jerusalem. 
pray for Israel because the peace here is shalom. It's not a worldly peace. Don't ever confuse the peace of God, shalom, which is peace through salvation, not peace of the world. That's why Jesus didn't come to bring peace. And they say, wait a minute, Lord, there's wars. And we're going to be talking about peace in the Middle East because there will never be peace until Christ comes. The peace, they would never have peace unless they have salvation through Jesus Christ. You can stop all the wars. But what good is stopping all the wars when they haven't accepted the Messiah, Jesus Christ? Where is the peace without Jesus? So it's a peace. But I love the promise here for those who do pray. At the very end, may they prosper who love you. This is consistent with what God has spoken to Abraham. He said to Abraham in Genesis chapter 12, verse 3, he says, I will bless those who bless you, and I will curse him who curses you. And in you, all the families of the earth shall be blessed. And surely we have, because we have the Messiah, Jesus Christ. And so we should pray for all who are not saved. What is good is the desire without the prayer. You can have a desire, but if you do nothing about it, what good is it? And so this desire, and we should have a desire that our family members are saved, our neighbors, our co-workers, our fellow students, our teachers, our family. It should be a heart, and it's so important because prayer is what makes it more effective, more effective. He says, brethren, my heart's desire and prayer to God for Israel is that they they may be saved, verse 2, for I bear them witness that they have a zeal for God. The nation of Israel has always been a people with great, a great zeal for God. And it's, it's, there's no other nation that has such a great de- uh, zeal for God than the nation of Israel. Their zeal for God has lasted thousands and thousands of years, almost 5,000 years Their zeal for God has been consistent. From the time of Abraham to the bondage in Egypt, to the destruction of the temple in 70 AD. And even after the destruction of the temple in 70 AD, they've been almost 2,000 years without a land. And many experts say a nation or people who has been without a land for at least four generations would cease to exist. But here's the miracle. Here's the miracle, because not only God is still with Israel by his grace, but God has made his prophecy, and his word would never return back to him void. He made a prophecy that Israel will come back. And since 1948, when they became a state, they're still, they still have a zeal for God. They are there day and night praying, praying at a wall of what's left of the remains of 70 AD in the temple. That zeal has kept them faithful in their heritage, their culture, their language, and Judaism. And so Paul says, I bear witness. He said, Paul, when we get to heaven, he said, yeah, we witnessed it too. We witnessed it too. They have a zeal for God. And sometimes that zeal was dangerous. That zeal for God was dangerous. Jesus said to his disciples in John chapter 16, verse 2, he said, they will put you out of the synagogue. Yes, the time is coming that whoever kills you would think that he offers God service. Paul himself had the same zeal. 
in his BC days before Christ, before his road to Damascus experience, Paul had the same zeal before his conversion. In Philippians chapter 3, verses 4 to 6, he says, If anyone else thinks he may have confidence in the flesh, I more so circumcised the eighth day of the stock of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of the Hebrews, concerning the law of Pharisee, concerning zeal, I persecuted the church. That was the zeal that Jesus himself said that some would think that they offer service to God. And so the nation of Israel had a zeal. It's undeniable. We could see it throughout the nations, throughout history, throughout history. For I bear them witness that they have a zeal for God, but not according to knowledge. Not according to knowledge. The zeal that they have for God was a misdirect zeal. Now, the word knowledge here in the Greek is epignosis, epignosis, um, which it, it, it means more than a superficial knowledge or to know something intellectually. But it is to have a knowledge that is gained by experience and by relationship. And they don't have that. They didn't have that. They had a zeal for God, but they didn't have the experience. They didn't have the knowledge. And what Paul is saying is that the Jews knew a lot about God. The Jews knew about the law, but they did not have a relationship with God. Now, this is true with all kinds of people, all kinds of religion, even in Christianity. This zeal without knowledge is dangerous. Always remember that. Zeal without knowledge is dangerous. I can have a zeal to build a house. For my family and I. But if I have no knowledge in laying down a good solid foundation. If I have no knowledge of, of framing a house. If I have no knowledge of electrical and plumbing. Would it not be dangerous for my family? It would be dangerous. But I have a zeal. I want to do right. I want to be a provider. That zeal is dangerous without knowledge. And it will be dangerous for me. It will be dangerous for my family. There are so many who have a zeal in their belief in their religion, but they have no knowledge of the true way for salvation, eternal life. And just to name a few, the Jehovah Witnesses. How many have died because they don't believe in blood transfusion? How many Jehovah Witnesses have worked hard day after day, week after week on the corner of our street? They have a zeal. They're out there faithfully, probably more than Christians and evangelical Christians. Yet, they don't have the true knowledge that is in Jesus Christ. Islam, they strap explosives on their women and children, even on themselves. Killing, have a zeal for their religion, a zeal for their God. And they're willing to die for it. Yet, they don't have the knowledge of God. Not understanding that. It is not man who dies for God, but it was God who died for man. And I think if we share that gospel, many of them will be saved. And there is a revival, believe it or not. You are not seeing on the media today because the media is very biased, anti-Christian as well. You will not understand that there is a movement of God that's happening in the Middle East. That there are a lot of Muslims who are giving their life to the Lord Jesus Christ. And keep praying for that revival. Why? Persecution. You have persecution, 
you'll have a revival. You have a persecution, and throughout the history of the church, you'll find when the church has been persecuted over and over again, it has grew immensely. They have a zeal. Christianity, we Christians, we, 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 we get all kinds of Christians. We have such a zeal for God, but somehow it creeps in, unbiblical practices, ignoring doctrine, things that are contrary to scriptures that we do because we do not study the word. We have a zeal. So you can be saved, but you cannot live according to scriptures, according to doctrine. That's why many of us fall. We don't have a solid foundation of the truth. That's the reason why here we, we study word for word, verse for verse, chapter by chapter, book by book. We get the whole counsel of God, not just portion bits and not little sermonettes or motivational teaching. We study the word of God and you grow that way. Now you, you have a zeal. You'll be, you, 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 with the zeal, you have this knowledge. You'll be more effective. The Lord said regarding his people, In Hosea, through the prophet Hosea, Hosea chapter 4, verse 6, the Lord says, my people are destroyed or my people perish for lack of knowledge. My people, if the God is saying my people, what does that tell you? There are other people. He's not talking about other people. He's not talking about people as a whole. He said, my people perish. My people, um, they are destroyed because of lack of knowledge. This has always been the case. And so zeal without knowledge is dangerous. And many, you say, yeah, many are sincere. But yes, they may be sincere, but they're sincerely wrong in how they go about it. Zeal without knowledge is very, very dangerous. Verse 3, he says, For they be ignorant of God's righteousness and seeking to establish their own righteousness have not submitted to the righteousness of God. Now, Paul's saying that they're ignorant, and, and, and by today's meaning and the use of the word, usually when you say someone's ignorant, it becomes very insulting. That's not the case here. Not in Paul's day, and I by his true definition. In the Greek, the word is aganio. Aganio. Actually, it sounds worse in the Greek. It sounds more insulting in the Greek than it does in English. But it means to not know, to not understand, to be uncomprehending you know when we put aside god's way and we put ourselves and we want to do it our way we put ourselves in great danger we do because the knowledge of god is only the important thing the knowledge of god through righteousness and that's what paul's trying to drive in here there's only one way Proverbs 14, verse 12, it says this. It says, there is a way that seemed right to a man, but its end is the way of death. There's a way that seems right to a man, but but it's the way of death. We have so many things that are changing our culture nowadays. We we even want to be politically correct. We want to have the right term now. We, We change the meaning and the label. Instead of abortion, uh, you know, instead of murder, it's called a pro-choice. It's murder. Call it what you want. And so we change. No. God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. His word would never pass. It's not that the word has to adapt to the culture in the world today. The world and the culture today has to adapt to the word of God. And God's way is life. Man's way is death. You may have heard this before. Man can go to hell any way he wants to. But if he wants to go to heaven, there is only one way. 
Many, you say, you know, narrow is the way to eternal life. Broad is the way that leads to damnation. Now, the nation in Israel were ignorant of God's righteousness. That's what he's speaking of. And because of their ignorance, they have established their own righteousness. Having not submitted to the righteousness of God, they have rejected the Messiah, Jesus Christ. And so they seek righteousness by their own rules, by their own standards. So it's man's way. Well, we're from Abraham. But did God say it to do it this way? No, then it's man's way. Call it Abraham's way, your way. is <laughs> not God's way. Isaiah 40, uh, 64 verse 6, Isaiah writes, he says, but we are all like unclean thing and all our righteousness, righteousness are like filthy rags. Our righteousness like filthy rags. That is the very best that you can do. Consider righteous. The very best that you can do is filthy rags. That's the very best. Give God your very best when it comes to works. Rules and rituals is filthy rags. God's righteousness is through faith and by faith alone in his son, Jesus Christ. Paul began writing to the church in Rome. In Romans chapter 1, chapter 1, verse 17, Paul writes, For in it the righteousness of God is revealed from faith to faith, as it is written, the just shall live by faith. The just shall live by faith. Verse 4. It says, For Christ is the end of the law for righteousness to everyone who believes. Now, Paul is not saying that Jesus ended the law, but that Jesus is the end of the law. He did not end it, but he's at the very end. The law is good. Paul tells us in the letter of Rome, in his letter of Rome, the law is good. As a matter of fact, the law is our tutor. He writes to the church in Galatia, Galatians chapter 3, verses 24 and 25. He says, therefore, the law was our tutor to bring us to Christ that we might be justified by faith, not by works. So it's been our tutor. But after faith has come, that's through Jesus Christ, we no longer under a tutor. We don't need the teacher. The schoolmaster, the teacher would teach his or her student. And once the student has learned all that he or she needs to learn, there is no need for a teacher. Much respect for a teacher. How many of us always go back and remember our teachers? I do. The ones I gave the hard time and the ones that really put up with me and the one that was, you know, I remember them. I remember. What's the famous last name for a teacher? Mrs. McGillicuddy. Got that from Little Rascals. But you learn, once you learn from the t- tutor, once you learn from the teacher, you no longer need, need the teacher. Now you're on your own. And with respect to a teacher, we have respect. Yes, we respect the law. Yes. But now we move on to Christ at the end of the law. I'm The book of Romans gives us a unique review of scriptural doctrine. As we continue to learn from this New Testament book, we'll also discover the gospel's powerful message throughout and discover practical life application with it as well. We pray Eddie's message on running the race has been an encouragement to you 
and that you're eager to learn more about the gospel message and how it applies to you. We'd like you to know that we pray for you regularly here at Running the Race, and we're so glad that you are one of our listeners. We'd also like to encourage you to find a local church where you can be part of a community that's growing together in faith. With that in mind, here's Tracy. Maybe you're listening right now in Milford, Pennsylvania, and you don't have a home church. We want to take this time to invite you to join us for worship. We meet Sunday mornings at 9 and 11 a.m. and every Wednesday night at 7 p.m. For more information, call us at 570-296-7367. That's 570-296-7367. Or log on to runningtheraceradio.com and click on service times. Thanks, Tracy. That website once again is runningtheraceradio.com. While you're there, you can also listen to more messages by Eddie or download them to take with you on the go. That's all we have for today, but join us again for more on the Book of Romans right here on Running the Race. I'm